This is an IG paid post. The news and editorial staff of the Financial Times had no role in its preparation. Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Jeremy Naylor. Is the US heading for recession? The hard data that's been published recently in the States shows a resilience that doesn't seem to be seen in the broader markets where stocks have been struggling amid disappointing corporate numbers and sentiment surveys around the consumer. What should we think about the future? Should the markets get a grip and reflect the hard data? Or, as we're told, the markets discount everything? Is market price action the canary in the mine suggesting that economic data could turn down? Well, joining us today to discuss the U.S. economy and the prospects is Daniel DiMartino Booth, Chief Strategist at Quill Intelligence and IG's Chief Market Analyst, Chris Beecham. Daniel, first of all, to you, we're told that the U.S. economy is now in its record 11th year of economic expansion. How do you view the landscape? Well, uh, we have certainly had a very long expansion. There's no doubt about that. But it has also been one of the most anemic in post-war history. And I think that that speaks volumes to kind of how the intrusions of central banks tend to tamp down growth prospects and how debt does act as a drag over time on the ability of, of economies. This is going to this term will take you back in time. The ability of economies to hit escape velocity, so to speak. Are the doomsayers wrong? I mean, where do you think that the economy is headed, broadly speaking? Well, you know, I, I try and 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 look to soft and hard data, and especially the views from CEOs and CFOs, you know, the people kind of running the companies who are in charge of hiring and firing decisions. And what, what I find to be intriguing is that if you query the CFOs in the United States, uh, they outnumber by a margin of five to one those who believe that earnings are going to be growing going forward. They, they actually think earnings are going to be stalling, and that helps explain why the confidence among CEOs, CFOs, as reflected in the market services data, as opposed to the ISM non-manufacturing data, have really come down uh, to decade lows when it comes to their employment indices. And I, I try and pay more attention to what we're seeing on the services side, because it is 80% of the U.S. economy. But we've definitely seen some very dramatic declines in the survey data that lead me to believe that, as economists will teach you, the unemployment rate is the most lagging of all economic indicators. Chris, what are your thoughts on the economy, and should we listen more to the markets about where the U.S. data may be headed? Uh, To some extent, yes. I think if you look at the S&P in previous uh, cycles, you tend to see that the market itself uh, peak around about six months before a recession starts. And we are technically, as of, as of now, about one month um, from the S&P 500's peak, um, record peak. And, of course, it is possible that it continues to ascend uh, from here. And you look at it in conjunction with other data, of course, um, and I agree, of course, the, the unemployment element is perhaps the one that you shouldn't use it in isolation if you look at other things, such as, obviously, the, the oft-cited yield curve. You look at new home sales continuing to peak as well. Um, there are signs that clearly we should be on recession watch, um, over the next year. We may not be there yet. We may not be knocking on the door of recession, but certainly we are closer to the next one uh, than we were to the last one. The strong dollar. What's that telling us, Chris? Well, it's such a hard one to say with the strong dollar is concerned, of course, because it's a reflection of the strength of the US economy, um, however much the president might not like it. Um, it's also a reflection of what's going on in other parts of the globe. You see this this flight to the US dollar because of the, the yield US treasuries offer, um, the stronger growth that the US has. Well, we have questions about the strength of the US economy. There are clear signs that other parts of the world are in recession. So the strength of the dollar makes sense at the moment because it's a flight to quality, if not 
a flight to safety. Now, it's possible that that stronger dollar, well, it's more than possible, that stronger dollar really acts as a break on US earnings. And we should be mindful of that heading into the next few quarters, really. We've perhaps just about escaped an earnings recession, depending on the data you use um, for the last couple of quarters. But we may well uh, go into another one, I think, if you have a stronger dollar, because if nothing else, it will be a, ta- a headwind uh, to further growth in US earnings. Okay, Daniel, let's get back to you on this idea of the potential recession. Do you agree with the idea that the US economy is on a path to recession within the foreseeable future? Chris, they're talking about a recession in in earnings. Um, Do you think there's an earnings recession coming? Do you think that's going to be the, um, the indicator that the general economy overall will go into a technical recession? Well, so I, I tend to follow the fact set research, which has been basically a very a very shallow negative number for the past three earnings season coming coming into this third quarter. The only thing that can prevent uh, a full year 2019 earnings recession would be a blowout fourth quarter. I just don't see that happening. Um, 40% of S&P revenues are derived overseas. The strong dollar is definitely pulling down earnings. If you look at, at multinationals compared to their domestic peers, their, their earnings look to be coming down at three times the rate. Of, of pure domestic plays. And I think that that it's dangerous if you begin to kind of say, let's look at the markets in isolation and look at the economic data in isolation. I tend to prefer the intersection of the two, which is the yield curve. And as we know, the three-month, 10-year yield curve, which the Federal Reserve follows the most closely, inverted back in May. Uh, Morgan Stanley did some interesting work where they, uh, they adjusted the yield curve for the effects of quantitative tightening, the Federal Reserve shrinking its balance sheet. And that showed that the that the curve actually inverted back in December. And if you kind of take that as a rule of thumb, to Chris's point, I do think that we should be on recession watch. And I think that it can possibly be something that we find out that we're in as of the fourth quarter or very early in 2020. You mentioned, uh, Danielle, the um, role of central banks in this anemic run of economic expansion, the way you call it, um, that we've had over the last 10, 11 years or so. I mean, the Fed cut rates on the 18th of September after reducing borrowing costs in July for the first time since 2008. What are your thoughts on the interest rate outlook and the performance of the of the current Federal Reserve Board and the voting members? Well, I think that, that given that I'm a former Fed insider, I was there for uh, almost a decade throughout the crisis. I, I've never seen this kind of a communications um, morass among Fed uh, Fed officials. We've got so many different messages coming from all of them. A lot of it has to do with the fact that because central banks, because the Fed suppressed interest rates, because Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen did not normalize interest rates at the speed that was possible at the time, I think the U.S. economy would have withstood a faster normalization process. Now you have Fed officials very concerned that they only have half of the basis points, if you will, half of the percentage points of easing power that they've had in prior cycles, and now they're staring down the same barrel that the European Central Bank is. They're already beginning to talk about uh, quantitative easing and when that might be appropriate to relaunch here. Uh, But I think that the the central banks have indeed put a break on the ability of the U.S. economy to, to hit a faster trajectory of GDP growth because you have so many uh, you have so many firm firms who are sitting on their hands and saying, "I'm not going to make investments in the long-term economy until I figure out what the true 
economic prospects are if you don't have an intrusive central bank. And maybe I'll even borrow because it's so cheap to do so and buy back my stock. You see that the growth of capital investment has been, again, to use the word, anemic throughout this cycle. Yeah, and then, of course, Chris, there's the uh, political interference as well. There's a lot of criticism coming from the White House of the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell. Is this justified? Clearly, Donald Trump has his views on where the economy should be, how it could be supported. Um, Do you see that the central bank and Washington are are working against each other, or is that just some um, political uh, cynicism going around uh, journalists? I think it, it is easy to see easy to see how uh, the Fed's policies come under fire from the White House, and there's a question over um, how much Trump is aiming to either get the economic pain out of the way before the recession, or delay it until uh, before the election, rather, or delay it until uh, his re-election is in place. If indeed that does uh, come to pass, I think that to speak to the broader point about central banks, we find ourselves at a, at a tough moment for central banks that they have done what they needed to do in terms of emergency measures, and QE, of course, is an emergency measure to stabilise the global economy at a crucial point. But I think I would agree that there's little point in seeing how much more you can do in terms of QE when you know that this isn't having an effect on the broader economy. It's leading to perhaps distortions of, of the cycle and what businesses would be doing if the economy were continuing to grow. And I think it's now that we need to see governments pick up the battle for this. We live in a world of ultra-low interest rates. If nothing else, you can take advantage of these rates to borrow more. The fiscal stimulus we were promised in the US hasn't arrived. We keep saying that the ECB has done what it can and it needs to have uh, countries, especially Germany, of course, and others in a strong budgetary position to, to take up the strain, if you like, and enact these kind of fiscal stimulus measures that will provide the broader benefits to the, 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 their particular economies and thus produce this sort of positive feedback loop. Because I don't really see really what the point would be of more quantitative easing. It's an emergency measure. It's designed to prop up the financial system. It can't be there purely just to keep pumping money into the financial system if it's not being pushed through into the broader economy. Daniel, just one final comment from you. As chief strategist at Quill Intelligence, what are you telling clients at the moment about the outlook? Well, we're telling clients to be extremely cautionary in their approach right now. Uh, We've seen such a long rally in the stock market. and, And again, we're seeing earnings come down and come down pretty hard this next crucial third quarter earnings season, we're going to have the first glimpse into how how the CEOs and CFOs view 2020 looking over the horizon. And right now we're telling people to be very well hedged and very well prepared because this stock market, it seems like it has gone out on a huge limb and we're stuck in the end with $15.5 trillion of non-financial debt um, among non-financial corporations in the United States very, very heavily in debt at 74% of GDP. We've never even begun to see numbers like this. So again, we're saying to be very protected, be in a risk-averse mode, because both the corporate the corporate bond market and the stock market are extremely overvalued, aside from the 1999-2000 episode. Okay, Daniel DiMartino Booth, uh, Chief Strategist at Quill Intelligence and IG's Chief Market Analyst, Chris Beecham, thank you so much indeed for your time. That's IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Jeremy Naylor. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.